Hey everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about... This is going to be a very weird comparison, Abby, but I kind of have to do it because I saw something on social media today that felt like this book. It was a, a tweet or an X post from NYX Cosmetics that mentioned uh, A slash B slash O. And that felt like this book to me in a nutshell. A very YA, kind of Twilight, kind of werewolfy vibe. I don't know if you're getting the same feelings, but also that tweet, uh, that blew my mind. Why was why was Nick's cosmetic tweeting about Alpha? Okay, I mm-hmm. what? Yep. I'm sorry. I'm so upset. I'm looking it up. That's that's wild. I don't know if I got the. The, those vibes um, from the book, mostly because I've I've read some really out there um, versions of that theme. But I do love werewolves, which is how I've dabbled in that community. Um, I love werewolves because werewolves are found family, which is how I found a certain anime recently. I love a good fa- found family. Um, and I love werewolves. It's why I was like problematically siding with Jacob for a while. And then it like in twilight. And then I was just like, well, first of all, they're shifters. And I got real mad about that for a while and was very fun at parties about that. Um, but yeah, werewolves have always been my favorite, like monster. Mm-hmm. I was never like a vampire girly. I liked werewolves cause I liked the, I've always really liked the s- w- symbology of them. Is that what I want? Something like that. I like them. I like the themes of werewolf. I like things like that. So I'm so pumped for this book. Yes, everybody. Uh, We are talking about Red's Untold Tale, a once upon a time story centered, a prequel centered around Red or Little Red Riding Hood or not so Little Red Riding Hood as she's a teenager for a bulk of this story. Uh, This book was released in 2015. It's the second in the uh, five, four or five part series of Once Upon a Time young adult novels. Uh, This follows the uh, uh, widely praised, not at all criticized, uh, Once Upon a Time tale that we just um, cough, cough, survived. Uh, And we're already starting off on the right foot, thanks to our author, who actually exists, Wendy Tolliver. She exists. There's a picture of her and everything. I don't even care if at this point, if this is something that that that, that an AI spit out. She looks real. She's all active on Twitter. Um, yeah, Wendy Tolliver. Tolliver? Tolliver. I'm going to go with Tolliver. I think um, that's fair for us to do. Yeah, she has several books. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on, let me get to them. She has several books. She wrote this. She wrote once, uh, read Untold Story, or Untold Tale, rather. And then she also wrote Regina Rising. So glad we like her right off the bat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be worried if we didn't. Uh, but then she's also like her niche is YA, like writing for teen girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's written a couple of different things. The Secret Life of the Teenage Siren. Apparently it's about a band geek. So curious. <laughs> a book <laughs> called Mismatch and another one called Lifted. Um, I The only thing I also want to say about her is that I read her about me on her her. I don't know how often she updates her website, but like her author website is very 2015 to me. It mm. has it has like a very 2015 vibe. Love this. Love her little picture. 
I just wanted to read you this one small section. I don't know if it'll be as funny to anybody else as I am, but like I am in love with this woman because of this paragraph. I've had a variety of jobs, and one of the earliest was dressing as Funshine Bear for store openings. But then I grew too tall for the costume and was forced to resign. In high school, I bagged groceries at Safeway and took orders at Wendy's. Since my hair was reddish and my manager wouldn't let me put on a fake name on my name tag, I heard the same stupid jokes every day. Other jobs include singing the national anthem at college basketball games, delivering newspapers, and performing singing telegrams as Marilyn Monroe. Just top to bottom. Oh, wait. I just saw that she's a Broncos fan. Okay. I don't like the author anymore. (laughs) I I go back on everything. No. I loved this paragraph so much. Yeah. And yeah, she does mostly do YA, but she also does have a background in uh, one of her first books that came out was called The Little Giant Encyclopedia of Wedding Etiquette. And it looks like she also did one for inspirational quotes. So she did have like a life advice, marital advice, maybe slightly religious angle uh, for the past. But since then, she has dove into the wonderful waters of Once Upon a Time And we are starting with the first two chapters of Red's Untold Tale. And right off the bat, from the very first opening section, the dream sequence, it's already like... I've I've taken this this beautiful luxurious shower with sage and lavender scents everywhere, although those don't go together. Um, because unlike the dream sequences in the previous Once Upon Time book, this one actually feels interesting and important. Beth, would you say it feels like morphing into thousands of fireflies caught in a tornado? I would. Okay, fantastic. First page, guys. First page, this fantastic, absolutely banger of a line. And I'm saying that not ironically. Like, this is not sarcastically, not ironically. I loved this. Morphing in, uh, I'll just read the whole sentence. Like, between the shadows, splinters of light glisten out, out of my grass. Morphing into thousands of fireflies caught in a tornado. An amazing visual. Fantastic. This whole thing is great. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I think readers going into it know kind of what we're getting into. But I think even if you didn't, this would be invoking enough for you to be like, I wonder, I'm going to read more of this. Something's going on. Something's happening. Yeah. So right away, the what we're getting from the book is Red is 16 years old. This is before the events of Once Upon a Time when she meets Snow and uh, we find out that she is the wolf. Uh, so as far as we can tell, she will not find out in this book that she is a wolf. But definitely things are happening to her that signify that changes are happening to her. You know, because of the wolfiness of it all. The wolf's time, which is still such a weird thing to say because it sounds like the time of the month. It's the wolf's time. It's the wolf's go, time. Go into the woods. There's blood everywhere. Oh, the wolf's time's here. We must go into the woods. I will not return for five to seven days. <laughs> and she is, you know, just trying to, to live her life. She she's She's kind of like Belle. She's... You know, she wants so much more than this provincial life. She wants to get out there and have adventure. She uh, like she imagines her her mother did before her mother, quote unquote, died. Because we all well, know she dies. She dies. Quote <laughs> she unquote. dies. Well, she <laughs> does eventually. <laughs> We're both doing so many air quotes. Dies. Yeah. There's just, just like da- the dancing air quotes, like like a thousand fireflies. Instead, they Yay. are air quotes. 
But she is, you know, she's stuck in a life that she does not want, which parallels with what we get in Storybrooke, which I think is a really interesting parallel because, you know, we only get a little bit of Red's background, really the one main episode in season one, and then also the one with her mother in season two. So seeing more of that, you know, her yearning for adventure, her yearning to break free and kind of paralleling it with this looming wolf situation I think is really interesting. And I think it's especially interesting knowing what we know about her from the show. But I think it would also be interesting if you didn't know about that. If you didn't know she was a wolf, this actually could play well, even if you knew nothing about this character. Which is fantastic. I, I, other than like reading books that are in a previous series, like I randomly picked up a book at an airport one time and it turned out to be book 10 in a series and like it's one of those books that you read and you're like I feel like I'm supposed to be in on something that I don't that I'm not clocking and it just makes you feel othered in a book you're reading which is a <laughs> terrible feeling but there shouldn't be an extra piece of media to come into something like in fan fiction obviously that's different in fan fiction like you're not reading once upon a time fan fiction because you just found it but, like, this is a published book. It's great that you'd be able to find it and read it and just be like, oh, it's based on the show? Well, I, I really liked how this was written because this gives us what we wanted in that first book, which is a mm -hmm. lot of insight into the character's way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things is I like that, like, they talk about she has these wolf's time, wolves, I'm not going to say it right every time, the wolf's time dreams. And she's like, I haven't told anybody about it. Because, like, it's super weird, and I don't, I'm all, everyone already kind of thinks I'm weird, and if I told them about this, they're going to think I'm super weird. And mm -hmm. also, it's like a, it's like super fun to have a secret. And mm -hmm. I have, like, it's one of those things where I was just like, oh, it's me. <laughs> like, that's a very, like, 15, 16-year-old Abby way of thinking, where it's like, I can't tell people about this weird thing. They're going to think it's super weird, but it's nice to have a secret. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> just me. Well, Red, you know, she she's not like other girls, you know, she, for example, she can't bake for shit. I, I, there, guys, if you're just listening to this and you're not reading along, I cannot stress to you. It is pages upon pages of this poor girl trying to bake a cake for a boy she thinks is cute. It goes on like not in an agonizing way, but at one point I'm like, is she still baking this cake? Because the whole time she's baking it, she's thinking about gra her her granny who is drink or drinking is snoring in the other room <laughs> from all of the drinking of the poppy. Oh yeah, apparently yeah, she's got some some poppy dust that she's uh she's popping in every night apparently to get some snoozes. Yeah, she's like, I'm gonna make a cake for my boyfriend. Opened the cupboard, Mama's pills fall out. <laughs> <laughs> But she's making this cake and like Granny's whole thing, as we know from the show, she's she cooks and she feeds people. So Granny, it's established that Granny has a business of making these goodies for the townsfolk. Red wants to make something for Peter, a boy she is not. She has not come to terms with the fact that she thinks is cute. I don't know if she's registered it yet. In the second chapter, she kind of goes, she kind of starts getting it. But, like, yeah. I don't think it registers in her brain. Like, I think she's just like, oh, no, I, no, I don't know why Grant's so worried about Peter. When did he get stubble? Why does his chin look like that? Why do I feel weird? <laughs> why is my whole body tingling? Oh, yeah, and Gr Granny was, like, threatening to shoot him in the dick at yeah. one point. <laughs> Granny's just like, listen, 
I don't care what you do. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. But she's trying to make this cake. And the whole time she's like, I'm so glad Granny is not awake so I can make this cake. She's like, it's so beautiful. She underbakes the cake so it collapses. (laughs) And then to power through, she is, I can only imagine, icing it hot. (laughs) And I'm just having like great British bake-off memories of them just like, well, I've got five minutes. I still have to ice it. It's just falling apart. And there's someone sobbing in the tent. Um, but like granny wakes up and is like starts to criticize her, but then doesn't like, she kind of stops herself. Yeah. So this was the, the overall, I really liked these two chapters and I think we're off to a really solid start, especially for a YA novel. But the dynamic that's established between Red and Granny made me very uncomfortable because, like, they, it's in small doses in the show, their cantankerous dynamic is, is fine, I guess. But having, like, pages dedicated to how much Red gets pissed off by Granny's judgmentalness and then her remembering all the times Granny's been a judgmental little nightmare... And then fearing it's going to happen again just mean it, it was a little unsettling to me. Not that it was bad writing, but it just made me feel bad. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's a line and I highlighted it. And it was one of those I highlighted it when I read it because I had mixed feelings about it. And I have mixed feelings about it because A, it's fully something I've thought to myself. But also I recognize it as being toxic. <laughs> If it's your, and this is Granny saying this to Red because Red is icing the cake and she's not taking the icing all the way to the edges and she's like, you should take it to the edges. And she's like, it's for Peter. He doesn't need to be perfect, which by the way, has never tracked for a crush of mine I've ever had. It must be perfect. I can show no flaws, which again, will lead you into this quote. Granny then says to Red, if it's in your power to make it perfect, you should never settle for anything less. Now, out of that situation... That could be a powerful line. You could say that, like, that'd be a very, like, empowering statement. Mm-hmm. I will make this perfect because it is within my power. Also, it's not super not chill. <laughs> like, it's not. No. It's, this is an unhealthy way to look at things if it's because to me, again, this is why it's toxic. And I know that it's toxic is because I could say everything is within my power to make perfect. And I will drive myself insane to do so. So, like, I get it. But also, Granny, she's 16. I don't know a single 16-year-old on planet Earth that will do anything perfectly, ever. Because this is when we are learning. And so. then there's, like, at one point, Granny, like, tells Red that she wished that she had, like, scooted away all the suitors from her mom, which implies that Red shouldn't exist. And then Red kind of thinks to herself, like, I know Granny loves me, but... You know, I don't think she wanted to be saddled with me for the rest of her life. I'm just like, oh, this is dark. Yeah, no, Granny and Red don't have... And I think it's just because of... Guys, spoiler, Red might be a werewolf. Um, I think the, spo- <laughs> like, I think the dynamic here is just because Granny is keeping such something so large. And be- doing that is making her a very bad uh, guardian. Mm. Because she's clearly doing something... To protect Red, but it's also causing her to need to take sleep aids. And she's struggling because there's even... So there's a part, and I think it's in this first chapter. Granny cooks her breakfast. She cooks herself breakfast. Granny doesn't eat her breakfast. And Red just goes, 
are you not going to eat your pancakes? And Granny just slides them over because guess what? Little Red Riding, Riding Hood, hungry, perhaps. Like a, like a, what kind of animal eats a bunch of food? Maybe like <laughs> some sort of woodland animal, like a dog of some sort, like a wolf, perhaps. So yeah, she's just eating mm-hmm. her out of house and home. And she's like, you need to start selling door to door, which is the chapter one drop of Red's new dilemma. <laughs> yeah, Red Red's now a uh, not only a delivery service, she's a door to door salesperson, which, oh, that just sounds like the worst. Just like cold calling people being like, hey, you want to you want to buy a muffin? Like, yeah, like if someone knocked on my door, because like I've had people knock on my door and they're always adorable children trying to sell candy bars that I know for a fact they tell you not to sell door to door. And it's always some kid, would you like to buy some candy bars? I'm like, I don't, okay, yeah, I guess I'll buy some candy bars. And I, because you feel bad, but like an open, again, this is us talking as 2023, just decades of being warned that razor blades are in our candy. Just, (laughs) hey, would you like to have this cooked muffin? I just, here you go. Like, that'll be $20. <laughs> here, here you go. Uh, croissant? Because she has, like, so much stuff in her. Granny must be, like, all she does is cook all day. Because if there's muffins, I think she said croissants, scones. I think there's something else in there. Just, like, an assortment of, like, a continental breakfast. Yeah, and only just for the potential of her maybe selling them door-to-door in these cold calls. So, like, this is a surplus of stuff. This wasn't even made to order. Yeah. Um, She doesn't have a store. She doesn't have a shop. We we are jumping ahead a bit. So, like, so the first chapter is just being like, hey, Red, you have to sell all these Mm door-to-door. And Red is grappling with trying to convince Granny to go to a birthday party for Peter. So yeah, she wants she one. wants Granny to give her permission to right. go to this birthday party. Right. Um, so that's yeah, that's chapter one. That is what happens in chapter one. Just a lot of scene setting, like you said, um, establishing where we are. This mm-hmm. is a wonderful chapter. I definitely had like I noticed today in Ohio, our leaves are starting to start a blazing mm-hmm. red color. Mm-hmm. The autumnal colors have set in. This is the kind of book you would read on like a rainy fall day or a crisp fall day, either one. Hot cider curled up with your little blanket, like a lightweight blanket, and just have like super fun fall vibes because this is like cottage. We're cooking. Just there's a mystery, like a. It's not a a cozy, like a not like a cozy read because I think it's about to get pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like it's it's got that like a good fall read. Yes, and and that and that Halloween esque ness to it kind of yeah. reminds me of like Over the Garden Wall, where it's like it has that pastoral Americana, you know, countryside fairy tale vibe, but then you know some dark shits on the horizon and it's about to get real messy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in in chapter two, uh, part of it is spent with her trying to sell these thing these uh, items door to door. There's one line on the first page of chapter two I really liked that was like a <laughs> if only you knew where she said I hoped beyond belief that I'd never ever witness anything as frightful as a bloodthirsty monster killing people I loved. Uh, Red, I got some news for you. That's going to be you. <laughs> she doesn't have to witness it. She's no. doing it. That's She's going to do it. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like when you're watching TV shows and there's like somebody responding to a crisis and you're like, I can't watch this. 
But if you are responding to the crisis, you re- you're different. Mm-hmm. It's it's you in the moment is better than you yeah. watching it not adrenaline adrenaline up. So, yeah, I also really like this because then she's also having these like. I don't know. It's it's explaining some of the past, but also like in the way that I think a sixteen year old would look at it, where it's like I don't really like this house. It probably looked really great before it got all run down and crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's she's kind of imagining what she thinks her mom's past was like because she didn't she doesn't know anything about her. And Granny, it sounds like does not talk about her, uh, which is right. something I believe we learn more about in season two. Um, and, you know, that's a big part of Red's, you know, conflict of personality, which was not well explored in the show, but I already feel like we're going to get that better explored here. And I'm actually kind of curious to rewatch the episode where she meets her mom after reading this book and after, of course, the, the, the strikes are over, um, just to see, like, if it kind of colors my perception a bit, almost like fills in the gaps, um, but yeah, so she's like, she's imagining her her mother's adventurous spirit, the things that she would do, the places she would go, and how much she wants to be like her. She's talking about how some of her friends are already married and having babies. And I'm like, oh, God. Well, she no. is 16. <laughs> Any moment now, she'll be an old maid. <laughs> and like, the, there's she, we see one cold call for, uh, for these muffins. And the guy, like, is a total um, jerk. He's like, I want free samples. Okay, no, I don't get them. All right, bye. Get out of my house. First of all, I do agree. Like, sometimes you don't know what you're buying. Because also it's a, it's a girl in a basket. Like, you don't know. Here, it'll be, here's some muffins for you. And then they're stale and terrible and it's actually crap. Because it's some 16-year-old peddling something she made like or or it's a cursed one and you fall asleep for a thousand years exactly you never know the enchanted forest is a wild place um but at the same time yeah no this guy was just kind of like a a dick to her for no reason like it's just like you could just say no you don't have to keep standing there basically then slams the door in her face which again i'm not a big fan of i'm a millennial someone knocks on my door i turn off the lights and hit the ground like don't (laughs) knock on my door don't come to my home i don't want to talk to you if you didn't schedule this three weeks in advance you're not gonna see me muffins or no (laughs) (laughs) and after she fails to sell even one muffin outside of her pre-scheduled deliveries it's i guess she just kind of just gives them away to a bunch of children which i'm like okay you know after after I don't know if I was misunderstanding, but the parents of these children trying to pay and she paid with like buttons instead of money. And so Red was just like trying to put her own tips in to cover. Yeah. Because, and then we get some other stuff about like the, the, the person that she sells to that gives her like buttons and whatever. And she's like, no, I'll be square with you next week. Just like we have taxes coming up. And like, so like there's, there's, there's other stuff at play going on here. And clearly there is a money crunch in the old village. Yeah, and I'm guessing it has to do with this whole taxes situation. And I'm kind of curious if that's going to play a bigger role. You know, whoever the tax collector is, you know, maybe they're a witch hunter, you know, a werewolf hunter as well or something. I'm kind of curious how that's going to play because Granny's also having a lot of problems, too. I know it's basically just like the movie. I was going to say, did he perhaps have like... A werewolf hunting pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
thinking more the Red Riding Hood movie that starred, uh, shoot, what's oh, her name? From Mean Girls? Um, yes. I know who you're talking about and I can't think of the name. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Um, and uh, it was, uh, and that was directed by the Twilight director and um, Gary, shoot, what's his name? We got to look this up. I got to look up. Amanda the, Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. And who plays the witch hunter? It's Gary something. Hold on. Us trying to frantically Google. Red Riding Hood. 2011 film. Uh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. You know what? Honest honest to goodness, we could just guess Gary Oldman for quite a bit of things that we can't quite place because talk Mm -hmm. about a person who's a chameleon. You could tell me Gary Oldman's any role and I would believe you. Yeah. He was in Moulin Rouge. He was in everything. He's just so many times. You're just like, what's happening? Um, anyway, um, so then we get a really cute, um, well, cute-ish, uh, flashback where, like, two six-year-olds, are they six-year-olds walking home? They are six-year-olds walking home, but before that happens, we have to lead into it, and how we lead into it is, uh, Red hears the husky voice of her friend Peter splashing around in the water, and he's like, come swim with me, ooh, and she's like taking off several of her layers and she's getting ready to do a big jump into the water. Like a big, big jump that she's never done before. Big and Bella that, Swan energy. Oh, this is this is this scene felt so much like fan fiction. It felt like every YA story involving the a rural location involves a swimming hole. Yeah, there's a swimming, a swimming in a lake. Home. There's like there's something high up that you have to jump out of. the The girl is always a little nervous, but then like shows her steel by mm-hmm. jumping. But also like she didn't come prepared to swim. Oh my no. gosh! So she's down to her to her undergarments of mm-hmm. whatever year or time period this is, whatever risque it is. And then yeah, it's I I love going into this after the flashback too. I, like I said, I just love her like late bloomer liking boys moment of just being like when did he start looking like this <laughs> hmm why why am i feeling a sort of something way he's just a kid i know he's kind of a he this kid peed his pants until he was eight why do i think he's cute <laughs> what's yeah, happening she, li- she literally says i couldn't help noticing how handsome how grown up my friend peter had become yes oh, yes yeah. yes girl we've, we've all been there when we were 16 there, years old mm-hmm. been there we've all, we've all we've all had like a peter of some sort where you're just like yeah but you know and sometimes it's sometimes it's not the right guy like you're just having those feelings be like oh my gosh do i have a crush on him it's like girl don't have a crush on him <laughs> don't no <laughs> abby don't don't tell me that because i had that whole situation and there's a and and, and 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 it was awkward Oh, no, I understand. Like, <laughs> I'm speaking from a very deep-rooted part of my soul on here. Like, there's so many people that you're just like, do I have a crush on this person? And then, like, five months later, you're just like, what in the world is wrong with my brain? <laughs> Why? This person is... N- no. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, and then we flash back to 10 years ago when they were both six years old and it is their first walk home from school. Peter is walking uh, Red home from school and uh, comes home to have Granny size him up and judge the crap out of his appearance. 
which was um uh, it was kind of uncalled for in my opinion i mean it, you're in a village people are gonna have scuffed knees like <laughs> yeah you're not you're not gonna be clean also again let's reference our ages here i'm just kind of like again this is one of those things where you kind of when you have a kid as a mother you kind of you um you adjust to your kid's age so like when people tell me stories and like oh yeah my 10 year old did this i'm like okay so like if my kid was three years older it's like oh when my kid was six i'm like oh okay so like so my kid's past that so i kind of help it helps me understand but i also by the way have realized that a lot of people don't remember kids ages correctly so they're just like my kid could name the periodic table when they were five i'm like i have never met a five-year-old that would be able to do that (laughs) i don't believe you not the point if my kid decided to walk another kid home and then came home and was just like, oh, yeah, I walked her home. And then she threatened to crossbow me in the dick. Like, <laughs> first of all, don't use that language in my home. Second of all, who is this woman? I will go beat her to death with my own bare hands. Yeah, but this is kind of one of those it's a different time situations. Like, she probably walked herself alone to school. And he's, you know, doing... He, you know, been taught by his family to do the gallant chivalrous thing and offered to escort her home. Like, I don't doubt that she just walked there on her own, like six years old or not. Like, yeah. I mean, and it's different cultures, different times. I mean, if you think about like back then, even though this is the enchanted forest or fairy tale land, uh, <laughs> as it's been called in other adaptations. Fairy tale land, capital F, F- capital T, capital L. C- um anywho (laughs) i lost my train of thought (laughs) no no you're right though like different cultures different times like being being because right now again like like red mentioned before her friends are off getting married and having children already at 16 so like they are grown adults ish in the eyes of the world Mm -hmm. and so like and it was again back in thatched roof cabin house times you weren't a kid you were just like a like you also weren't like a tiny adult you were just like a tiny liability (laughs) and it was just like go to school and if you come back fantastic we will feed you um sometimes i i have trouble with that but i mean even in recent times wasn't there like some whole documentary on netflix about like a little girl in i want to say japan might have been a different country, but, like, they would send her to the store with money, and she was so little. Or he was so... I don't remember all the specifics because I couldn't watch it's, it. Yeah, so that's a... Uh, I actually saw it in a, a documentary. That's... I don't remember the name of it, but it is a cultural norm in Japan. Right. It's like a rite of passage where when you're... Essentially, when you're, like, about three years old... Yeah. You are, you are sent to a store to go buy something on your own. Um... And, you know, it's kind of, a, it's, it's, a, it's a cultural understanding when you see a kid alone like that, they'll kind of have a little tag on them or something and people know to help them and make sure that they're staying safe. But it's like, it's, it's a, it's a cultural norm yeah, for yeah, signaling yeah. rite of passage and also shows that the crime rates in Japan are much better than they are here. <laughs> it's, it's also very, yeah, it's a very different, um, vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Anyway, so yeah, so she introduces Peter to Granny after he escorts her home. She sizes him up and says, go fix your pants. And 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 then, you know, um, Red asks Granny if Peter can walk her home the next day. And Granny goes, fine, 
But if he uh, steps out of line, I'm going to shoot him in the dick. I like that Red is just like, yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> she would do that. She's not even kind of kidding. She's The crossbow is always out. She's constantly making sure it's ready for action. I've never seen her shoot anything. Um, so, yeah. So, Granny has her uh, crossbow. Also, by the way, I don't know if we stated this before. This is canon, correct? This is canon compliant? I believe so, yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that that got stated because I was... That's what probably is my favorite part of this is that we're getting such an in-depth analysis mm-hmm. and it's canon. So it's not like anything wild that they say isn't supposed to exist. It's like, this is great. I love this. Yeah. And so she she now we're back in the present. She makes the big jump uh, that we all know from all these movies and books. And then he follows in after her. They lay in the water and do silly things. And then they lay on the shore and she looks over and notices how cute his face is. He looks over and notices how cute her face is. Or maybe he is. She's not quite sure. Is he looking at her? She doesn't know. Of course he's looking at you. Of course he is. He's a 16-year-old boy and you're very, very pretty. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite observations that my husband made one time, I was talking about like the different ways that girls flirt in high school and Mm. one of them is that like in theater like theater kid stuff it was stealing hats i stole your hat i'm gonna wear your hat for like the rest of the night and you would wear it and you would just have his hat all the time i'm like oh no that was flirting like we weren't just trying to be a menace like that was i wouldn't wear your hat if i didn't think you were like cute and everything and he was just like the number of people flirting with me he's like as i get older he's like (gasps) the sheer number of people that were flirting and he's like i just had absolutely no idea (laughs) like yeah that's just that's how it is and i mean i think it happens the same for both genders in different ways but it was just Mm -hmm. one of those he ran in that circle and i'm like oh no flirting with you was doing x i would tell him all these other things and i'm like that's how i was flirting with people And he was like oh my god he's like i i just he's like i just thought they were being annoying i'm like no they were being annoyed they were trying to annoy you so you would look at them that we Mm -hmm. had to be subtle about it like the 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 very weird and toxic advice of just being like you know if he's picking on you it's because he likes you well it's like if we're being a pest women aren't pests to men they don't want to be around yeah it's like if we're flying around you and annoying you it's because we like you (laughs) like i wouldn't be around you if i didn't like you that's just the long and the short of it and i just love him he's just like oh my god the things that i wish i would have known i'm like your dad probably told you and you just didn't listen or believe him (laughs) (laughs) and then the two of them have a conversation about uh thieves and Peter's uncle, presumably being in jail, I'm guessing he's not. I'm guessing he's going to come back in some capacity. Because they're basically tax like, man. he's a tax man. He's a tax man and a werewolf hunter. And he's played by Gary. <laughs> he's played by Gary <laughs> Oldman. <laughs> That's going to be the description of him. His uncle was back. He had a very dar- Gary Oldman quality. <laughs> and Peter, like, at one point, I-, I highlighted this line. He says, I really hate thieves. They're nothing but a bunch of lowlifes without a lick of honor. Like, dude, that's kind of harsh. Also, it turns out Red's best friend later turns out to be a thief. I, I know that's kind of narratively why that line is in there for, for narrative drama. But it was like, that's kind of harsh, dude. Like, there's there's literally, you, you literally say women and children are stealing. Like, something's wrong. That's, it's a systemic problem. They're not just yeah. a bunch of low lives. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, oh, there's a lot of, like, it's that critical thinking that, like, you lack sometimes before you know enough about the world. And obviously you're not going to know much about the world if you're living in a village. And apparently some sort of very scary um, blacksmith 
basement that Ren describes and be like, oh, yeah, I don't really like it here. Um, is this the lack of thinking there's wanted posters everywhere? Why do we think that might be? Why yeah. has crime rate gone up and it's mostly people stealing? Because they even make a point of, and I think it's in the first chapter when Granny mentions bandits. And and Red's like, what do you mean? She goes, well, Red, a bandit is someone that lays a trap in the road and when you stop to fix it, they rob you blind. Yeah, Granny, I know what a bandit is. I meant the other thing. And I'm like, first of all, an amazing narrative way to make sure that everyone's on, on board with what a bandit is. Because we will soon need to know what one is. <laughs> but also an amazing line that I can just hear it. Because it's how I would have said it to my mother or my dad when they would say stuff. Oh my God, I know what that is. Not the other thing. Oh my God. Like, you're just so put out with them constantly. It's just, I, uh, uh, I don't look forward to the teenage years. I don't either. Uh, but luckily it's a long time away and then and then it won't be and then we'll be like, no, it happened. But luckily we'll probably still have this podcast so we'll be able to talk about it. The podcast will be in its 25th season. Mm-hmm. We'll be on the fifth watch of Once Upon a Time or 50th. It depends on how fast we decide to go. We're now watching it only in different languages and learning <laughs> those languages in order to do this. Yes. Hey, be an educational opportunity. And then the uh, the chapter closes uh, one with Red talking about this forget me not ball, which is like kind of like basically a village dance. Uh, a oh, village the prom's coming up. The prom's coming up. Yes, the village prom, the village, the village, uh, the te- the the fete, the festival. And originally her and Peter were like, oh, we're so not going to go. We're instead going to like go to the arcade because like I'm not a normal girl. We're just going to go have some fun. But now she's like, maybe I want him to take me. How about what if like instead of going, we like go, but like we rebel. What if I like get a dress, but I wear Converse or combat boots? Ooh, (gasps) Guys, please understand that when I say these things, I'm speaking from personal experience. Yes. (laughs) Like me personally (laughs) like i am so cool and different it's like you're not so cool and different it's just see because we're we're millennials and millennials our form of humor is uh self-deprecating because we secretly hate every decision we made while also wanting people to think we made the right decisions (laughs) we secretly want validation while hating the decisions validate validate all of my terrible choices i know they were terrible but like it's fine right it's fine right yeah (laughs) <laughs> please um but yeah no i like i like the idea that like that's what's this fun about this book is that like they're giving us two teenage characters with their teenage love story and it's even though it is in set in the before four times at the enchanted forest we're still getting the classic tropes on top mm-hmm. of the monster story this is my whole vibe i want to read every book like this i love this yeah and i think it adds a new angle to once upon a time once upon a time is about adults and so i really like these books centering around the teenage characters we're gonna get teenage regina we're gonna get henry and violet i'm very excited to explore that uh because it kind of has a little bit of a disney descendants vibe without being disney descendants because i can't i just can't with disney descendants uh and then finally 
there's like a little moment between her and Peter where she thinks Peter is going to say something cute about her. And then he says something shitty where he calls her a drowned rat. And then he says he's, she's a cute drowned rat and she's fine with it. I'm sorry. Not just a cute drowned rat, but like a cute drowned rat on a mushroom. <laughs> on a giant mushroom. <laughs> Why the mushroom? I don't know. I am obsessed with this where he's just like, okay, quick, quick. I got it. Like, I can't tell her that she looks like. She, she looks like the Venus de Milo. I can't tell her that she's the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And I can't stop saying, I can't tell her that she consumes my everyone. What do I tell her? What do I tell her? I know. I know. I know. I know. He's looking like a drowned rat. But like on a, like a, like a mushroom. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so close. I was so close. But, but in a cute way. There, like I did a, it. Saved it. Saved yeah, yeah. it. But like in a cute way. <laughs> you nerd. Ah, ah. <laughs> Be normal. Well, everybody, that was the first two chapters of Red's Untold Story. And already, I think we're off to a great start. I'm enjoying this. It's an easy read. And it's adding a new layer to a character we don't, we did not get enough time with on the show. And I think it's at a good point in her life that we can explore. I wouldn't necessarily want to explore her whole life with snow and her like exploring the wolfiness. I like the setup. I like knowing more about her and I like knowing more about Granny and just how important her crossbow is to her. Because dear God, that thing is like her true child. Her true child she she can shoot people in the dick with. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that like young young Red didn't think that her mom was the crossbow. <laughs> I, I gave birth to this crossbow, and then it spawned you. A lot of crazy stuff happened. Um, but I, you're right. I I really enjoy this. It's such a good port portion of the story because the discovery of your your wolfiness as a teenager and discovering this part of you, like first of all, classic YA trope. She's finding out she's the chosen one, but, like, the bad way. <laughs> like, oh, no. No, not this. And obviously we know that it doesn't go spectacular. Um, but this is the coming-of-age story along with the coming-of-the-monster story. Mm-hmm. And it you can already see the little breadcrumbs that they're leaving for it. And, again, you as you pointed out, it's an easy read, but it's, like, it's a fun. And the language is not stilted. I think mm-hmm. that was what my biggest problem with the last book was, if I didn't make that abundantly clear. It just sounded like someone was typing it furiously and then published it. This has this has a quality of somebody who is like writing flowery kind of language, but like with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it sets up the imagery. We get the inside look into how she feels about a lot of this stuff. And it's yeah. spectacular. Like these first two chapters, 10 out of 10. I, I, I'm I'm loving it. And so I'm thinking for our uh, next assignment, I'm thinking we uh, bump it up to three chapters, see how yes. we feel there. Uh, because there are, there are 22 chapters in this book. Uh, eventually, I think we'll probably start moving up to four chapters, uh, depending on the length. But two felt like a good number, so I don't want us to push ourselves too much. So I'm thinking three for next week. Yes, and that works perfectly, and I I agree with the soon to bump it up to four, because I have a feeling once we get to the middle of this, I'm going to be fighting myself to not finish, (laughs) because having hard stops has been the hardest challenge for me of this whole thing. Yes, because I do that thing where I start reading, and then I finish the book at three in the morning. 
<laughs> and then my Kindle recommends me buying the second book, and I do, just before I go to bed. To make sure that when I wake up, the next book is there. I cannot explain to you how fast I re read the Hunger Games series on my Kindle because of that. Every time I finished it, my Kindle was like, would you like to read the next one? Yes. Give me the next one. Please. And then I've been just devouring books. And if I like a book, I, I will just put every care and whim aside and I will just continue to consume it. It's not healthy, but it's what I do. Well, we are excited to continue Red's Untold Tale. If you're reading along with us, thank you so much. If you haven't picked up the book yet and you're curious to, I recommend it. We're, we're enjoying ourselves and every week we're going to be diving even more into the story of Red Riding Hood. We want to thank everybody for joining us this week for Once Upon a Timing's Book Club. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you get those podcasts. You can join the Facebook group to continue the book talk conversations at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can even support us on Patreon. We have a wonderful Patreon community that has been continuing the wonderful talks you've been having about these books. Thank you so much for joining us for all of it. This week's Patreon shout out goes to, I don't have it written up. It's right here. It's Brian Sanina. Thank you so much, Brian. If you want to join us, go to patreon.com slash OUA timing. So thank you so much. And Abby, we'll see you and read you next week. See you next week. Mm -hmm.